Oh my goodness. Wow. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to yet another edition of the Philosophy Sessions podcast with Phil Washington. Per usual, I am your host, Phil Washington. Thank you again for tuning in. And my, 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 did we have some great football action this past weekend in the National Football League. Now, as I was trying to come up with the title for the podcast, I was listening to some gospel music this morning. Amen. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. The song Expectation came on with the subtitle being Miracles, Signs, and Wonders. Now, this weekend had a lot of expectations. And a lot of those expectations were met. Each game was fantastic to watch. You had the Elite Eight, well, with the exception of one team that clearly showed that they were not ready for the big stage. So, and this is how my mind works, as the song was playing, and as I was thinking of a title, I wanted three words to describe what I just saw, what millions and millions of sports fans witnessed this weekend. The first word that came to mind was heroes. And we saw some heroic performances, especially in one game that was out in the Midwest. We definitely saw some crimes take place. <laughs> and finally, with all of the hype, there were two big disappointments. So ladies and gentlemen, grab a chair, sit down, and relax for a few minutes. Now, if you're driving, keep doing your thing. Remember, eyes and attention on the road, hands at 10 and 2. Remember to use those turn signals. Now, if you're working out, go ham. If you're cleaning, finish your task, finish whatever you're doing, and relax for a few minutes. Session is about to begin. The name of this session, session 106, is going to be called Heroes, Crimes, and Disappointments. We'll take a quick break. When we come back, we are going to dive right into it. This is the Philosophy Sessions podcast with Phil Washington. We'll be right back. Welcome back to the Philosophy Sessions podcast with Phil Washington. Thank you again for joining me for yet another session. Okay, so heroes, crimes, and disappointments. Now let's start with one of the heroic performances of this weekend. Let's go out to Kansas City and let's talk about the Chiefs and the Jaguars on Saturday afternoon. And man, what a gutsy performance from Kansas City quarterback Patrick Mahomes after getting injured in the first half of the game with what ended up being a high ankle sprain. For a little more than three quarters, uh, Mahomes, he gutted out the injury while the offense switched to more of a running game attack against the Jacksonville Jaguars. Now, Pat, 
it looked like he wanted to stay in the game, especially in the second quarter. He was voicing his frustration with Coach Andy Reid, offensive coordinator uh, Eric Bieniemy, and the doctors. The, the, the doctors pretty much forced him to get checked out in the locker room midway through the second quarter. That was a smart call from the staff because you don't want to potentially damage the ankle more, especially with the AFC Championship coming up in about a week. Uh, seventh rounder, Isaiah Pacheco. He had a, he did a fantastic job running. He had 95 yards on the ground on 12 runs. Now total, Kansas City as a team ran 30 times for 144 yards. Now it'll be interesting to see what Andy Reid and offensive coordinator Eric Bieniemy do when they face the Cincinnati Bengals in the AFC Championship. Now, when it comes to the Jaguars, they they definitely took it to Kansas City. Even being down by 10, going into the fourth, you just felt that the Jags were n never really out of it until the very end. And it's tough. It's tough to adjust to the speed and the pace of the postseason, especially when you're going up against an elite team just like Kansas City. But this is very, very good experience for Trevor Lawrence and that that young team going forward. They have a hell of a football coach in Doug Peterson, and literally turning that team around from a disaster to a playoff team that's just a few pieces away from contending for a conference championship. Now, prior to the Chargers wildcard game, less than a quarter of the team had ever played or had any experience playing in an NFL playoff game. I would look for Jacksonville to be the favorite next year in the AFC South and once again contend in the AFC again next year. All right. Now, let's talk about a crime. <laughs> And some heroism uh, that was demonstrated Saturday night in front of a raucous crowd, South Philadelphia at Lincoln Financial Field as the number one seed in the NFC, Philadelphia Eagles. They took on the New York football giants after they had just dispatched the frauds that were the Minnesota Vikings in Super Wild Card Weekend. Let's talk about some heroics. You can look no further than Lane Johnson. This dude is currently playing with a torn groin muscle, and he is putting surgery off until the season's over. Do I have to tell you how mentally and physically tough you have to be to even play at a championship level going through all of that? More people need to put some respect on Lane Johnson's name, for real. I mean, he's he's been straight-up dominant for the Eagles since he was picked fourth overall in the 2013 draft out of Oklahoma. He's been worth every penny for the Eagles, and there needs to be some serious consideration for him being put in the Pro, Fo Pro Football Hall of Fame. Now, here's where the first crime took place. It took place in the fourth quarter. The New York Giants tried to go for it on fourth and eight. After they, after they let the Eagles go right down the field on them to take an early 7 and nothing lead. Coach Dable said that he knew how far kicker Graham Gano could go, but in that situation, he opted for the play. 
do or die situation. Instead, Daniel Jones got laid out on the turf in a sack that gave the Eagles the ball right back. I think it was on their 40, and then they proceeded on an eight-play drive that eventually gave the Eagles a 14-0 lead early. I mean, at halftime, it was practically over. It was 28-0. The Eagles straight up outcoached and outplayed the New York Giants. Jalen Hurts with a shoulder that's still not 100% was good enough to throw a deep pass to Devontae Smith to set the tone right from the start. You know, Jalen's ability to improvise and run gives the Eagles a huge advantage because of the amount of playmakers that are on that team. I mean, you got to look at it. You got, obviously, Jalen. You got Miles Sanders, A.J. Brown, Devontae Smith, Dallas Goddard, the giant killer, Boston Scott, Kenny Gainwell, who ran for over 100 yards in that game, Quez Watkins, and an athletic offensive line as one of the best in the business under coach Jeff Stoutland. <laughs> it got to the point for the Eagles that they pulled A.J. Brown off the field because it was 31-7. This is a playoff game. The Eagles did not need A.J. Brown, and the Birds won 38-7. Now, you can say it was a crime that the Eagles had more yards rushing, which was 268 yards, than all of the Giants' offensive yards combined. They had 227, okay? Like Sade. Is it a crime? You're damn right it is. Hassan Reddick. He had... I think a sack and a half, he should have had at least four. Damn, every time I looked, the dude was loose and he was on the prowl. Uh, <laughs> the touchdown in the third quarter for Matt Burita in the Giants, I think that was more of like a sympathy touchdown. Speaking of the Giants, let's listen. Let's give credit to where it's due. Coach Dayball has turned that franchise around. Defensive coordinator Wink Martindale has already gotten phone calls from from some teams for some head coaching jobs available. He did a great job with these young guys on defense. They played their tails off. Jalen Smith, Xavier McKinney, Kayvon Thibodeau, Julian Love, they had some really good games, but eventually they just couldn't keep up with the birds on offense. If you're the Giants, you have to do some spending. I mean, Marcus Johnson... Isaiah Hodgins, Daniel Bellinger, and Lawrence Cager, they're not going to do it. Daniel and Saquon, they need help. Now, on defense, you can build around McKinney, Thibodeau, and Love, but if you want to compete with the Eagles and the Cowboys, you got to spend. Right tackle, Evan Neal, he didn't have the best of games, allowing five QB pressures, but he did not get charged with a sack. So on that note, let's take a quick break. Congrats to the Kansas City Chiefs and the Philadelphia Eagles advancing to their conference championships. When we come back, we'll go ahead and we're going to talk about the Bills and the Bengals and the Cowboys and the 49ers. You are listening to the Philosophy Sessions podcast with Phil Washington here on Anchor.fm and on Spotify. We'll be right back.
Ladies and gentlemen, do you love good music? You love listening to good vocals? Or are you a fan of NBC's The Voice? Then do me a favor, join host Stephanie and James as they break down each contestant's voice and overall performance from each week's episode. They keep it 100 and voice their opinions with love, kindness, and respect. You can follow The Pitchy Podcast on Instagram at The Pitchy Podcast, spelled T-H-E-P-I-T-C-H-Y-P-O-D-C-A-S-T. You can also subscribe to their podcast on YouTube and on your favorite podcast platform. All right. Welcome back to the Philosophy Sessions podcast. We just went over the Chiefs victory against the Jaguars and the straight-up annihilation of the New York football Giants, courtesy of the Philadelphia Eagles. Now, I did say there were heroes, crimes, and disappointments. This next game we're going to talk about had all three elements. Now, first, first let's get to the, let's get the positives out of the way. We're going to go up north to Highmark Stadium in Orchard Park, New York. Demar Hamlin. This dude being a few weeks removed from a serious cardiac arrest in Cincinnati, returned back home to Highmark Stadium. He arrived to the stadium about an hour before kickoff. He went to the locker room to say hi to his teammates, probably gave them a pep talk before heading into the suite to watch the game with his family. DeMar is a walking miracle. All the credit in the world for supporting your brothers, especially after the whole world supported him over the last few weeks. It takes strength, courage, heroics, a damn good team of doctors and trainers, and help from the good Lord himself. That's about it when it comes to the positives for the Buffalo Bills. Everything was set up. This was a perfect scenario for the Bills. You got a home playoff game in your house in front of the Bills Mafia. It's in the 20s and it's snowing. As I just mentioned, DeMar, DeMar Hamlin and his family, they were in the house. All kinds of positive vibes in that locker room, in that stadium, right? You would think everything right now is screaming storybook. But uh, Cincinnati's D said otherwise. They, they did such a tremendous job keeping Josh Allen under pressure. He went what was it, 25 for 42, 265 yards, no touchdowns in one interception. It's not going to do it now. Granted, he did run for a touchdown, but it was one of those goal line sneaks. Dawson Knox. Dawson Knox was your leading receiver. He had five yards, five catches for 65 yards. Stefan Diggs had only four catches for 35 yards, but you want to talk about upset. Good Lord. Did you did you see the camera shot of him and Josh Allen in the fourth quarter? Josh with his head down, looking at his little Microsoft Surface while Stefan's hands are up in the air like, bro, what in the hell is going on? What are you doing? 
apparently reports started to come out saying he was so upset that immediately after the game was over, he ran to the locker room, changed, got his stuff from the locker room, and left before the coaches and the media got there. And I feel for Stefan. I mean, he's he's going through he's going through quite a bit. You're you the team is set. The the Buffalo Bills are one of the more complete teams in the National Football League. Yet three years in a row, you get knocked out of the playoffs. I mean, it's it's not good. I mean, Edmonds and Milano on defense, they had good games, but as a whole, <clears throat> the biggest disappointment from this weekend was provided by the Buffalo Bills. Second straight year in the playoffs, like I just said. In the div divisional round, they got knocked out last year by Kansas City. This year was the Cincinnati Bengals. Speaking of Cincinnati, my hat's off to them. You know, all week they had to hear about the Bills and the Chiefs, the possible AFC Championship game, selling 50,000 tickets at a neutral site game in Atlanta. You know, people forget that the two hottest teams heading into the playoffs were the San Francisco 49ers and the Cincinnati Bengals. And despite having starting offensive linemen, uh, Leo Collins, Jonah Williams, Alex Kappa, despite all three of them being out, the offensive line did a masterful job protecting Joe Burrow. I mean, you want to talk about confidence. In pregame, did anybody see Joe throw passes while doing a full 360-degree turn in the snow? My man was poised under center. He was as poised as I've seen a QB in years. Cincinnati outplayed, outcoached, out-everythinged. Buffalo. This is not a good look for, for Buffalo. And the Bengals, they have so many young playmakers. Jamar Chase, T. Higgins, Tyler Boyd, Joe Mixon, Hayden Hurst, Perrine, and those boys. Defense was relentless. And Zach Taylor, the coach, he has that team on a mission. A mission to get back to the Super Bowl. And now to the Sunday night finale, which featured the quote-unquote America's team, Dallas Cowboys. They traveled to Santa Clara to face Brock Purdy and those San Francisco 49ers. I'm going to start off with the 49ers. 49ers looked as fierce. Their, their defense looked as fierce as they always do, but not without some wrinkles. You can run on this team. But, uh, you know, when Tony Pollard got hurt, that's when things that's when things got interesting. Once Tony got hurt and Dak had to rely on his arm and Ezekiel Elliott, all went to hell. And the Niners started to pounce and capitalize. George Kittle, he destroyed the Cowboys five catches for 95 yards, including the one where, not sure if you saw, he bobbled. And it bounced off his helmet, and that ended up being a huge momentum swing for the 49ers coming down the stretch. Fred Warner, he was outstanding, only giving up two catches for 15 yards on defense, no first downs, and three run stops. And Brock, 
Mr. Purdy. Brock did what the Niners coaching staff wanted him to do. Make good, smart decisions with the ball as he went 19 for 29, 214 yards. No touchdowns, but he got the ball out quick before Dallas' defense could get to him. So, congrats goes out to the San Francisco 49ers as they will face the Philadelphia Eagles at Lincoln Financial Field this Sunday. As for Dallas, the defense actually played as well as you could have against a, against a team that has put up over 30 points in its last four games. They held them to 19. They got the Brock Purdy twice. Shoot, that was enough to rattle Brock to where the coaching staff switched strategy to have him get the ball out a little bit quicker just to avoid that pressure. You could tell this was clearly a defensive battle against two of the best teams in the conference. I mean, hell, the score 19 to 12 clearly reflects that. Still, the Cowboys were undisciplined at times. At one point, Deron Bland had an unnecessary unnecessary roughness. You don't need that. You don't need that in the playoffs. And it also didn't help that at the start, that kicker, Brett Maher, his first kick was blocked one week after missing four field goals in Tampa. Although, regained his confidence, found his poise, he made his other two field goals in the game. Now, uh... Let's talk about Dakota Prescott. You want to talk about disappointment. Here we go again. In the second possession of the game, Dak on third and nine throws a, um, a bad ball. I mean, this was horrible to Michael Gallup. And Diamador Lenore jumped the route and picked him off. His second interception... Came close to the end of the first half where he was trying to pass to CeeDee Lamb in double coverage. Why you would do that, I don't know. But it hit Jimmy Ward in the chest. And Fred Warner ends up with the ball. And a key turnover. Just not good decision making for Dak. I, I, and I, I especially didn't like the play calling from Kellen Moore. Especially when Tony Pollard got injured, it, it just screwed things up. Now, would things be different if Dak had more weapons around him? Maybe, but it still doesn't take away from his poor play. I heard from some media members this morning that if Cooper Rush was in the game, he would have been better. Would he? I don't know. It still doesn't make a difference. The one thing that remains the same is that the Cowboys are going home again, thanks to the San Francisco 49ers. I hate doing this, but in the words of Stephen A. Smith, just be patient. Just be patient. Remember, what can go wrong will go wrong for the Dallas Cowboys. And it did right on time. All right. Let's take a quick break. When we come back, we're going to wrap it up for this session. Maybe I'll give an idea as to who I might be going for in championship games and more. You're listening to the Philosophy Sessions podcast with Phil Washington. Don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. 
right, welcome back to the show. We are about to wrap it up, but before we go, I'll give you some insight as to who I might be taking for the conference championship. Let's talk about uh, Kansas City and Cincinnati. So right now, couple thi- couple things I'm watching. Number one is the health of Patrick Mahomes. How is his ankle going to be? Um, obviously, high ankle sprain. It could, I mean, you would think a couple days, maybe in a perfect scenario, a couple weeks will be enough time to be fully healed. But, I mean, this is the AFC Championship, and you are going up against a pretty potent Cincinnati team that is, I mean, of the four, of the four teams that are left in the playoffs, Cincinnati quite possibly is the most dangerous team left. They are young, they are talented, they have weapons, and nothing fears them. They are playing so good and they're playing with a lot of purpose and a lot of attitude they are physical and that's what i like to see i love watching good physical football so this won't be this right now this will not be my final pick because it's it's early in the week but if I had to take somebody right now at the AFC, it would not surprise me if Cincinnati goes to Kansas City and they find a way to win at Arrowhead. Arrowhead is a tough, tough place to play. But right now, my gut's telling me that Cincinnati's going to find a way to win that game. Now, as far as the NFC, your number one and number two seeds finally facing each other, the Philadelphia Eagles. And the San Francisco 49ers. This will be the early game Sunday. Uh, Lincoln Financial Field. All the stats are saying that statistically, San Fran is the better team. The biggest factor for Philadelphia obviously is going is going to be the play of Jalen Hurts. If Jalen can play exactly like he just did against the New York Giants and the defense does they do their thing, if they can keep if they can find a way to keep Christian McCaffrey and Elijah Mitchell under a hundred yards and try to eliminate Debo Samuel the best way that they can and go after Brock Purdy, Philadelphia should win this game. San Fran, you find a way to get after Jalen Hurts, then I can see the Philadelphia coaching staff going to a running game, and you know how good the offensive line, how athletic and talented they are on that side that game I know is going I think is going to be very 
very close. And it's going to probably come down to the very last possession. And I'm not saying this because I am an Eagles fan. I look at it. I try to be fair and balanced. Being at home in Philadelphia, I think is huge for this team. And like I said, if Jalen stays healthy, takes care of the football, I think Philadelphia wins this game. I could see it. I could see this being a 23 to 20, 2017 kind of game. Also, keep an eye. If you're Philadelphia, keep an eye on A.J. Brown. Remember earlier I said that they barely used A.J. Brown against the New York Giants. I mean, he wasn't, how can I say this, he wasn't the happiest when he was on the sidelines. They were glad, he was glad that, the, obviously, that the team won, but he didn't get his production. It would not surprise me if A.J. Brown goes off against San Fran. And we all know how good those defensive backs and safeties are for San Francisco. They are no joke. But I do have a feeling this will be this could be a statement game for AJ Brown. So right now I'm gonna give the slight edge to the Philadelphia Eagles. I mean Jalen Brown or sorry, Jalen Hurts versus Brock Purdy. Come on now. I'm taking Hurts all day. Alright. As we close out, as you guys all know, I like to give a positive quote. So your positive quote today is coming from Maria Gibbs. She says, quote, I truly believe that everything we do and everyone that we meet is put in our path for a purpose. There are no accidents. We are all teachers. If we're willing to pay attention to the lessons we learn, trust our positive instincts and not be afraid to take risks or wait for some miracle to come knocking at our door. That's pretty good. All right. As always, I thank you so much for for listening. And remember, if you haven't been told this lately, you are loved. You have value. You are worth it. Until next time, class dismissed. Views and opinions expressed by the Philosophy Sessions podcast with Phil Washington are those of the authors and do not necessarily reflect the official policy or position of the Philosophy Sessions podcast. Any content provided by authors or content creators are of their opinion and are not intended to malign any religion, ethnic group, club, organization, company, individual or anyone or anything. Thank you.